This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 230, submission number 1928, One in a Million. One in a Million aired on ABC from January 8th to June 23rd, 1980 for 13 episodes. And get ready because this is one of those 13-week series which had more than one theme song. people are born into greatness, some people are bred for greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. I guess this would be a case of all three at one time, because we have Shirley Hempel, who is doing really good things on what's happening in the 1970s and in the 80s on what's happening now. and. ABC decided, you know what she needs? She needs her own show. Isn't that right, Mike? Well, yeah. I mean, she was, with all due respect to uh, Fred Berry, rerun. She was like the breakout star of what's happening. So, yeah, get her a vehicle. Absolutely. So ABC gave her her own vehicle. And the thing about this vehicle is that it's a fish out of water series. And you know what? You take somebody like Shirley Hempel, you give her her own series and have a premise that's that generic. It pretty much breeds itself for failure, don't you think? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, here's the uh, scenario. Shirley Simmons who is played by Shirley Hempel, is a sharp-tongued, quick-witted taxi driver who inherits controlling interest in a multi-million dollar conglomerate. Wait, Chico, hold on. Hear me out. Hear me out. Uh I I think we have a parallel here to somebody we've talked about in the past. 
Okay, oh, go on. Shirley Hemphill is playing a taxi driver named Shirley. Oh. Mm-hmm. Does this not sound familiar? Tony Danza oh. playing a taxi driver named Tony. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh. That's not a stretch. Nope, not a stretch at all. So we have this sharp tugged taxi driver named Shirley who would drive the fare of Jonathan Grayson, who is the founder of the multi-million dollar conglomerate Grayson Enterprises. And apparently they'd get along really, really well to the point that when he died, he bequeathed upon Shirley controlling interest in Grayson Enterprises. If you are one of the working class and you just got controlling interest in a company, how would you feel? I don't know. Well, I'm trying to think of how Peter Griffin reacted when he got control of uh, Carter Peter Schmidt's business. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's eyed. Daddy, you're awake! Oh, Carter, I'm so relieved. What happened? Where am I? Oh, you had a heart attack, Daddy, but you're all right now. Yeah, he cool. What the hell is that? Oh, it's an African-American heart monitor made by your company. What? Yes, it has two settings, Barry White and Bill Cosby. Beep, beep, boop, beep. My company makes no such thing. Well, you see, Daddy, when you were in a coma, Peter stepped in and took charge of Pewdishment Industries. She gleefully assumes her position as CEO and uses her position to basically declare class war. She's taking her company back for the middle class. She's waging a class war on pompous stuffed shirts especially company vice president Roland Cushing, played by Keen Curtis. Now, by the way, we'll, we'll go over the cast in a, in a while, but she also finds an ally in a, a person named Nancy, who is Grayson's secretary. Now, like all business-associated sitcoms in the late 70s and early 80s, this takes place in the halcyon capital of American economy, New York City. New York City! So yeah, it just seems like this is very, very generic, almost. But there you go. ABC had to give uh, a star a star vehicle. And some of the names associated with this show are just... Creme de la creme of sitcoms. We're talking about Bertie Ornstein and Sal Turtletop, who, by the way, did work on What's Happening on ABC with Shirley Hempel and her castmates. So you would think, you would think that they would have sort of an idea about what to do with this character. Well, you'd think. Yeah, you would think. Let's talk about who's in this uh, cast alongside Shirley Hempel, because we already know Shirley Hempel is this really big name from What's Happening, really big, larger-than-life character, basically translates that character over to this show. 
So she plays Shirley Simmons, obviously the new CEO of Grayson Incorporated. And playing sort of the head of the stuffed shirts would be Keen Curtis. And Keen Curtis would actually be mostly known for, oh wow, he was in Heaven Can Wait and Stargate SG-1 and Dark Shadows and Sunset Beach, although he was uh, uncredited in Sunset Beach. And also did guest stints on Cheers, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, but was mostly a voice actor. It was a voice actor. He was on the Smurfs, Pirates of Dark Water, Superman, did a little bit of everything. Also on the cast, uh, you would know this name, Mike, Richard Paul. We've talked about him. Mm-hmm. We talked about him in Carter Country, but he has made many appearances. Uh, he hasn't been with us for close to 25 years, but uh, where you might know him besides Carter Country is he was Jerry Falwell in the movie, The People versus Larry Flint, and did a very good job playing Jerry Falwell on that. He plays a character by the name of Barton Stone, who sort of works underneath Mr. Cushing. And also working underneath Mr. Cushing, albeit reluctantly, because she turns out to be a big ally to Shirley's character, is Dorothy Fielding, who is known for, amongst other things playing Dr. Paxton on St. Elsewhere, playing Sonia Steinmetz on Remington Steel, playing Mrs. Parker on Melrose Place. And uh, she was in some movie, some slasher movie in the 80s. You may have heard of it. It's called Fright Night. Nobody ever heard of Fright Night? I've heard of it. Hey, Mike, did you know that Amanda Burse from Married with Children is in Fright Night? No? Will you know now? playing Max Kellerman and no, not that Max Kellerman, not from uh, the first host of uh, Around the Horn and uh, numerous other sports talk shows over the last 20 years and ESPN's boxing coverage, Greg, not that one, but uh, playing Max Kellerman is a name we didn't mention terribly long ago, Carl Ballantyne. Wow. He was another one of those guys from those things wasn't he he was in let's see he was in i dream of genie the monkeys car 54 where are you a partridge family the virginian he dabbled in a little bit of everything i think and we also mentioned he was in mikhail's navy playing lester gruber he was also let's see the great valentine on the cosby show he played Philip Falcone on Night Court. He, he was in the pilot of Black's Magic. He's, he's a magician, isn't he? I didn't think he's a magician. I know he was an actor. Oh, but yeah. he he, was, he's he was, got quite the resume. He is billed as the world's greatest magician. He, he does have a lot of magician credits. It, it's I don't want to do the comparison to Mr. Whipple, and I don't want to do the comparison to the king. 
from the last precinct. Is he one of those that gets typecast as a magician? I don't know. Taking a look at the roles here, he is often listed as the magician, as something the great, or as the great whatever great blank. Great Valentine. Well, the great Valentine, I see in Double Trouble, Rollo the Great. So, yeah, Marvello the Great in Chips. So, oh, and I remember where we talked about him. It was the Ghostbusters. He was on the Ghostbusters back in 1975. Ah, there you go. So, yeah, he's basically a magician. And he played Merlin on the Ghostbusters, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right, yes. And playing Shirley's dad, man by the name of Mel Stewart, who was known for another show that we should cover sometime down the line, Tabitha. Well, his big role was Scarecrow and Mrs. King. He played Billy Melrose. Yep. Was he on all of the episodes? I want to say he was on all of the episodes. Uh, If not all, a lot of the episodes. And he was also in On the Rocks, which is another 13 and out show that we should cover sometime. Rollout, another 13 episode show we should cover sometime. And he played a recurring character, Henry Jefferson, on All in the Family. Maybe a Jefferson family member that didn't make the transition on up? Perhaps. Well, taking a look, uh, it appears he played that character very early on in All in the Family's run. So that was clearly before the Jeffersons got their own show. In a, a deluxe apartment in the sky. And also, since we mentioned it with Carl Ballantyne, uh, Mel Stewart, he was on seven episodes of Car 54, Where Are You? Of course he was. And... Rounding out the cast as Edna Simmons, Anne Weldon. She was known for a lot of that girl from that thing roles. She was Aunt Maddie on an episode of Buried with Children. Oh, that's a classic episode. Yes. Who she is. uh, The episode you're talking about was from the last season, Mm -hmm. from the 11th season of Buried with Children. She was a pie shop owner who happened to die right before Thanksgiving when Al wanted one of her sweet potato pies. What? Greg makes an appearance. I'm not kidding. She, she, uh, she owned a pie shop. Al wanted one of her sweet potato pies for Thanksgiving because she died. You know, the, the store had to close, obviously. But then at the end, Basically, she sort of gave Al the moral that he needed. It's better to share than to just enjoy something on your own because Al wanted the sweet potato pie for just himself. Why would he want a sweet potato pie? There's plenty of hover pies he could have other than a sweet potato pie. Was it one of those Patty LaBelle sweet potato pies? Okay, Aunt Maddie's sweet potato pie is that good. That much of a legend. I doubt it. I sincerely doubt. Well, if if Al Bundy, if you've never seen the episode, Al Bundy had to actually go to her funeral to get the pie. The last pie she made was going to be served at the funeral, and Al wanted it all for himself. And he had to get through the family members, including 
Oh, let, here's Fox Synergy for you. James Brown of the NFL on Fox. Oh, yeah, because James Brown, he really loves sweet potato pie. Al Bundy. <laughs> Down here, boy. Aunt Maddie? Al Bundy, what did I always say? If you want that cookie, you got to pay for it. No, the other thing. My pies are always sweeter when you share them. Right. Now you share that pie with your family and friends. Don't make me hit you upside the head. Come on, Al. It's Thanksgiving. Share with us. No. Okay. And at the end, in the final credits, you had Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long on the Telestrator criticizing how Al uh, was uh, trying to get out of the uh, the funeral home and how James Brown blew like his blocking. Oh, boy. Wow, JB, I can't believe that you got smoked by Al Bunny. Oh, my God, the man's a middle-aged shoe self. Hey, guys, let's check this out and let's go to the replay. Let's do it. Hey, check out the missed tackle by Miss Unetta. Now that's just sloppy. Now Bunny pants for daylight. Oh, and who's there to stop him? That's right, our own James. Fold up like a breaking ground. Where's the flag? I told you they should bring back instant replay. Man, he ran over you like a woman in a shoe sale. I'm gonna tell you what, JB. It looked like Al Bundy wanted it just a little more than you. Oh. Hey, wait a minute. Who asked you four eyes? Yeah. You talk with me? You want some of me, whoa, Harvard? Whoa, 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 fella. Hey, hold on. Let's come. Hey, let's just get along here. Stay okay? out of it, Baldy. That's who Aunt Maddie is. So I don't want to hear anything about who this Aunt Maddie person is. Legend from the last season of Married with Children. Hey, guys. One appearance. Second straight episode with a reference to Terry and Howie. <laughs> okay, aside from that, she also played, if you're a fan of A Different World, you know Vernon Gaines always makes references to his wife, Velma. But she was only appearing in one episode. She played Velma Gaines in one episode, Wedding Bells from Hell in 1989. So judging from that, I'm thinking that she played Shirley's mother. There is one more person on the cast, and he plays the role of Dennis. His name is Billy Wallace. And this is pretty much his only credit. So there you go. And that's the cast. And we have all the episodes, thanks to our good friends at Ultimate70s.com. Also, thanks to research by our own Mike Plus, ladies and gentlemen. So here is the episodes of One in a Million. Episode one, Chairman of the Board. Cab driver Shirley Simmons inherits the controlling interest in a $200 million corporation, enabling her to take on the system and stand up for the little guy. Not much there to talk about. That's basically the premise of the series. Yeah, that's just setting up what the basis of the series is. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all there is to it. Episode two, Executive Dad. Shirley gives nepotism new meaning when she gets her father, a striking bus driver, 
work as a secretary at Grayson Industries. But wait a minute. Nancy's already secretary. What does she have to say about this? I guess not much. No guests of note on this episode, so... I guess they're just trying to feel their way around this, because the first episode was written by uh, Bernie Ornstein, Sal Turtletop, and Al Livingston. Second episode was written by Dick Westershoot and Bill Box, so... Well, taking a look at all the episodes... There are very few guest stars, and really, I found only one guest star of name. Oh, um, she's well. She's going to be coming up in a little, just a little bit. But right now, let's talk about episode three. Yeah. Oh well. Before we get to episode three, one thing I found while doing research. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I did while doing research about Bernie Orenstein. Mm-hmm. You'll never guess who his wife is, and we've mentioned his wife on the podcast numerous times. Susan St. James? I don't know. Uh-oh. No, that's that Dick be, Ebersole. That's Dick Ebersole, right. No, Barbara Rhodes. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Susan St. James, come on. <laughs> hey, so you tell me somebody that we mention all the time on this podcast. My mind immediately goes to Susan St. James. Hey, Greg, I think that deserves an uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Okay. Episode three, Shirley's Prince of a Guy. An African prince courts Shirley, raising corporate hopes that she'll resign to emigrate. And playing the role of the prince is Dick Anthony Williams, who's best known for being in Edward Scissorhands, The Jerk, Dog Day Afternoon, and three episodes of L.A. Law. But mostly, he's a that guy from that thing. You said three episodes of L.A. Law. No, was... it's not on. Not on. Oh, oh, geez, did I drop my microphone? Was he okay. in the episode where Diana Muldar went down the elevator shaft? Oh no, not a Pulaski episode. I really didn't want to talk about it. Oh, that never gets old, Mike. That never gets old. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Fun fact, Dick Anthony Williams. One of his last TV roles in Bid Whist Party Throwdown. What the? What is that? Greg? Okay, this is not even a joke. Back in like 2004, 2005, when poker shows were getting really big, when, when you had the, the uh, World Poker Tour and when ESPN, their poker coverage got really good. Yeah. A very young TV one. They were sort of desperate for programming, specifically original programming. They did this bid whist showdown, not unlike the World Poker Tour. Yeah. I'm looking at the host and the cast of this show. This show is surprisingly stacked. We're talking about Garrett Morris, Ted Lange, Dick Anthony Williams, Aloma Wright, Clifton Davis, Frederick Owens, Bill Lee Brown, Tika Wells, Elena Reed Hall, Vincent Cook, Sean Blakemore, Ella Joyce, Tanya Pinkins, Buddy Lewis, Guy Torrey, and hosting the show, Kiki Shepard, 
Brad Sanders, and Rashawn Ali. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't run all that long because uh, apparently Bidwist doesn't translate well. Well, not just to TV, but possibly period. But it wasn't just Bidwist. It was a Bidwist party throwdown. Still, it was something from like 17, 18 years ago on TV One when it really first started. Not good TV. I remember watching an episode and basically saying, what the heck's going on? I I need like a tutorial. Well, apparently you wouldn't be the only one, so. Well, there's a reason it hasn't been on in 17 years. Okay. Episode four. On the cuff. Environmentalists chain themselves to Shirley's desk to protest corporate plans to build a ski resort. And, oh god, the names on this episode. This is basically, we blew our entire guest star budget on this one episode. Because playing the roles of Joni, Ellen Bree. Oh, Wow. Who just so happened to be married to the creator of a show that she was actually on. She was married to John Majus, who created St. Elsewhere, people. Oh. Ah, okay. And playing the role of Peter is Jerry Hauser. Oh, that Jerry Hauser. Yep, that Jerry Hauser. From Slapshot. No, from the Brady Brides. Por que no los dos? Yeah. Noted face and or voice actor Jerry Hauser, who is still with us and still active to this day. Yes. And playing the role of Anne is Julia Embry, who is known as the box office girl in the Kentucky Fried movie, cult classic, in the feel-around sketch. You remember the feel-around sketch, right? I've never seen Kentucky Fried movies. What? Are you kidding me? That is, it's a cult classic. Come on. It wasn't on my radar. It was more Airplane that was on my radar. That was, it's, like, it's like... Uh, Kentucky Fried movie gave birth to... I know, but it was never on cable. Well, it was on cable, but it was heavily edited, and for good reason. So that's episode four. Episode five, Lost Weekend. Cushing arrives at the lodge, unaware that Shirley and her friends are about to descend upon him. And one of Shirley's friends is played by... Louise Sorrell. Who this is, is the name I recognized. Yeah, she was basically on Days of Our Lives for freaking ever. She was pretty much just on your um, mom or grandma's uh, stories. Yeah, and Airplane 2, which we don't talk about. A- and O'Madeline for an episode. Cue the clip. I invoked it, Yeah. Oh, my, 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 looks like it's raining in Kansas. No, no, that's just a little bit of dirt. I'll just pass it right. Oh, oh, it's in Kansas. <laughs> it's in, oh, my, that looks like the day after. <laughs> 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 
also Louise Sorrell mm-hmm. married to Ken Howard, Ken Howard's first wife. Oh, Ken Howard from the White Shadow. Yep. Yeah. And we'll talk more about him a little later. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. It was on one episode of uh, Star Trek TOS. So just to say, it all comes back to Star Trek. What episode of TOS? Uh, Requiem for Methuselah. Okay. I'll catch that out in Paramount Plus later. And also, she was on an episode of Match Game PM in 1980. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Episode six. Stone versus Simmons. Stone charges that his uncle was not of sound mind when he willed the company chairmanship to Shirley because Stone is a jerk. Is he as much of a jerk as Thomas Gibson, Chico? Uh, He ain't that big of a jerk. I mean, he's played by Richard Paul, for Christ's sakes. It's like, how can Richard Paul be a jerk? I know he plays a lot of jerks, but he's not a jerk. Thomas Gibson, on the other hand, he's a douchebag. Oh, yeah. Screw him. Now, now wait. If we're talking about jerks, where is President Charles Logan in all this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy. He broke his opponent's leg on cue. Yeah, yeah, he broke his uh, his opponent's uh, kneecap on few. Charge! Little six, five hundred. Six, five hundred. Harrison campaigned with a slogan, Tippy Canoe, and you'll get wet. And talent too! Yeah! 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 Ladies and gentlemen, you just saw Stephen Matthews jumping up and down for joy. Well, we had to actually stop taping because Stephen got so excited, he not only jumped up and down for joy, but he actually threw his knee out. We had to take the young man to the hospital, and he is well taken care of, and he's all right, but they had to straighten his knee out. And as soon as he is able, he is going to come back on our show, resume his crown, and have his third attempt at the Gauntlet of Villains for $25,000. So, Stephen, we'll look forward to seeing you soon. That was exciting and a little nerve-wracking. But anyway, Greg Itson uh, had just lost the game, and so, Greg, I'm sorry we have to say goodbye to you. And not only that, he made poor Gene Smart miserable on 24. How dare you do that? You idiot. Um, Anyway. Hey, at least now she has an Emmy. True. That is true. Uh, okay, and Charles well, Logan just has parting gifts from 1979. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Uh, one guest role was Barney Phillips, who was basically a guy from that thing, but he was on an episode of Previous Entry Flying High as Bailiff. The episode was Ladies of the Night. And he did play on 14 episodes of The Betty White Show. Oh. Miss you, Betty. We love you, Betty. He was actually a judge on that episode. Playing the role of Brenda was Fawn Harriman, who was on Lanigan's Rabbi, Rosetti and Ryan, One Day at a Time, Barnaby Jones, and she was a regular on the Ted Knight show as Honey. Episode 7, The Chairman Babysits. Nancy's son disappears. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. While spending the weekend with her boss. And playing said son, Michael, would be Jimmy Heth, who is basically, this is basically 
his only role. He was on two episodes. That was the extent of his career. What are you going to do? But also on this episode was an actor by the name of Robert Hogan, who was in the Don Rickles show, Richie Brockleman Private Eye as Sergeant Ted Coopersmith, Operation Petticoat, and Secrets of Midland Heights. And that's pretty much the extent of his career, outside of a guest shot on the first season of New Heart. You know, that we had early installment weirdness. Before Peter Scolari. Yes. Episode 8, Suddenly Single. Shirley and Duke take Stone to a disco to help him forget his estranged wife. Now, we never see his wife, but we do see Fawn Harriman as Brenda, and we do see whoever the hell Dap Sugar Willie is. He was in Wildcats as a pool hall man. The movie Wildcats? The movie Wildcats, yes. With Goldie Hawn, Woody Harrelson, and Wesley Snipes? Yep, he was a pool hustler. Oh, cool. By by the way, that movie's now on Blu-ray, thanks to Shout Select, so... Also, we have Taffy O'Connell as Euphoria. I'm guessing that's his wife, because she looks like she could play his wife. And she was she played uh, two episodes as Honey North on Dallas, but mostly she was oh she was in Blansky's Beauties as Hillary S. Prentice. Episode nine, Cushing quits. In a heated argument, Shirley hastily accepts Cushing's resignation, and neither knows how to back down. Which is weird, because if you think about it, wasn't this the whole point of Shirley being on top of everything? Well, one name I recognize, not among cast members, mind you, one of the writers of this episode was Donald Ross, Patty Deutsch's husband. I was just about to say. Yeah. Appeared on Match Game, uh, Tattletales with Patty. Definitely a known entity. Uh, he's one of the co-writers, uh, as well as uh, Sandy Veith. Episode 10. Max falls in love. Aww. Max, the diner owner, is smitten with Shirley's secretary, who looks for a way to tell him the feeling isn't mutual. We do have a return appearance of Jimmy Heth as Michael, which makes sense because this is a story about Nancy and how could you have a story about Nancy without the Nancy's kid? Right? But at this point, uh, you could definitely tell we're basically trying anything at this point. Yet another case of not a celebrity, but rather a writer on this episode or a co-writer is Marty Brill, brother of Charlie Brill. Yep, that is correct. And, and Mitzi McCall's uh, brother-in-law, yeah. Mm-hmm. Episode 11, Over the Hill. Cushing begins his birthday at his best friend's funeral and ends it in a hospital thanks to a birthday cake from Shirley. So basically, episode 11 was comedy of errors. It's my birthday. There's a funeral. Now I'm in a hospital. 
Episode 12, The Committee. A congressman jeopardizes Shirley's appointment to a presidential commission on youth when he reveals that she has a police record. Oh, boy. So many jokes. Yeah, those jokes would work in 1980. Nowadays, in 2022, no. No. And playing the role of the senator, Senator Peters, is Logan Ramsey, who, well, let's just say he looks like the senator type. In fact, he plays a judge on two shows in the 80s. First one would be Knight Rider, and the second one would be Highway to Heaven. And he also plays the role of J. Edgar Hoover in Blind Ambition from 1979. Yeah, he basically looks like that kind of guy. And finally, episode 13, The Italian Connection. A Sicilian dandy claims the late Jonathan Grayson, Shirley's benefactor, is his father. Excuse me? And playing that role is Gino Conforti, who is known for mostly voice work. He was in Man of La Mancha. He was in Thumbelina in 1994. He played Brother Franco on General Hospital. Cardinal Puggini in Angels and Demons. And perhaps in a show to be covered later, playing Ollie Oil Slick and Reggie Unicycle on Galaxy High School. He also recurred as Felipe Gomez on Three's Company. Also, we have playing Mrs. Grayson in this episode, Harriet E. McGibbon. Best known for playing Mrs. Drysdale on the Beverly Hillbillies, 55 episodes. Ah, I recognize her. Hasn't been with us for almost 30. Five years. Yeah, 30. I'm doing the math in my head. 2022 minus 1987. Yeah, that would be 35 years. Oh my gosh, I'm, we're all getting old if that's 35 years ago. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So that is one in a million. So now we have to ask the question what went wrong? Aside from, you know, everything uh well first uh, we can't really necessarily say the competition uh was all that uh difficult because what it went up against you remember i made the mention about ken howard earlier and i said remember this because we're going to bring him back up uh-huh some of the competition was the second half hour of white shadow on cbs Oh. oh, well, now I know why you're saying that. I mean, it did run for some time. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the numbers in a little bit. But also, Greg, I think you're going to enjoy this. It's competition on NBC. Yeah. The last half hour of the misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. Oh, yes. Oh, Miss oh. Sheriff Lobo. Oh, come on. Claude Eakins ratings winner, folks. Uh-huh. But also, this is actually a very weak hole in what is a really good 
ABC lineup. Listen to the what's on this night. Okay. Happy Days at eight o'clock. Now, mind you, Happy Days would have been in what about its seventh season at this point? Sixth season? Seven? Yeah, it's starting. Season. It's starting to slag. It's starting mm-hmm. to lag a little bit. Yeah. And then you had one in a million at eight thirty. Three's Company at nine. And again, Three's Company at this point, this would be the fourth season. I don't think it's starting to, to taper off at this point. If anything, maybe it's tapering off because the Ropers would have gotten their spinoff series around this time. And then you'd have Don Knotts taking over as Mr. Furley. Yeah. So maybe you're losing a little bit of ratings because the Ropers spun off. Who knows? 930 is Taxi. And 10 o'clock is Heart to Heart, which this would be what? It's second, third season? Basically. Yeah. So that's a strong lineup. I mean, even if Happy Days is sort of waning and Three's Company is in a mode of transition, that's still a very solid lineup if you take out one in a million. Yeah, I'm looking at where it was scheduled for Saturday at 8 as well, because it started out on that Tuesday night with Happy Days and Three's Company and Taxi and Heart to Heart. Then they moved it to Saturday night. Where oh, that's it the would, death knell. Yep, where it was, again, the weakest link in a really strong lineup. It was going up against the first half hour of BJ and the Bear and the first half hour of the Tim Conway show. And on that same night, you would find on ABC... The Ropers, The Love Boat, and Fantasy Island. That's pretty strong. That's a very strong, strong lineup. And One in a Million just got lost in the shuffle. And to this day, I think it is still lost in the shuffle because the series is pretty much considered lost media. It's not available on streaming. It's not available on DVD. It's not available on Blu-ray. And for my knowledge, nobody has recorded any of it and they haven't traded out the tapes for anything. There's two opens online. There's actually one with lyrics and one without lyrics. So this is another case of multiple theme songs for a 13-week show. Why? But you already knew this if you heard the first minute of the show. Because gosh darn it, they wanted this to work. They may have wanted it to work. I've got the ratings here. Okay. So uh, the first week of ratings I have is from January 21st to 27th of 1980. So this would have coincided with episode three, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay. 66 uh, shows were rated that week. We'll do the competition first. We said uh, Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo, and we said uh, The White Shadow. The White Shadow was 45th. The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo was 41st. One in a Million was 56th. Wow. Well, again, yeah, wow, but there were 10 shows worse than it. Uh, including, of all things, a best of Saturday Night Live. 
Well, this would be the uh, 1980 season. Well, no, it wouldn't be the 1980 season. It no, it would be, it, the, uh, be 19- the last season of the original. It would be cast. the 1979 season. Well, also, when they say best of Saturday Night Live, it doesn't say necessarily from the 79 80 season. It could be, for all we know, from 76 or, or 75 or what have you. But also, something that we have mentioned in the past that finished dead last a Lyndon LaRouche infomercial for president. Because remember, we talked about him buying a bunch of half hours. Uh, I think we talked about this. Maybe it was Bicentennial Minute that he uh, yeah. bought a bunch of, of uh, half hours to uh, pitch his uh, presidential campaigns. This was one of those times he did it, and it was dead last in the ratings. Nobody wanted Lyndon LaRouche for president. Taking at later dates, though, we'll go to uh, a couple weeks later in uh, February, February 4th to February 10th. Uh, Out of 68 shows, it was 61st. Yeah, by then they would have moved this from Tuesdays to Saturdays. That week, again, best of Saturday Night Live, 67th out of 68. Last place was not a Lyndon LaRouche infomercial because they didn't have one apparently that week. And then we'll move even later. We'll move to March. We'll move to uh, mid-March. This is from March 10th to March 16th. 69 shows. Nice. I was waiting for that. Where does it rank out of 69 shows? 63. I don't know. 67. And 69th was another best of Saturday Night Live. Why are Saturday Night Live's reruns just dying? Well this, was, well, well, this was getting up to the point where it's like, okay, SNL's been on the air for five years. What are they doing with it? Well, and maybe that's why we got this refresh in 1980, because yeah, maybe it's just getting a little too old. God bless ABC for trying, but ultimately, Shirley Hempel would reunite with her castmates from What's Happening for What's Happening Now. But at the end of this run, it was replaced by a show that we may cover sometime later down the road. Angie. Oh, we're going to cover Angie, I think, at some point. We love Donna Pescal. We really do. She's the Jewish mother we wish we had. No, seriously, watch Even Stevens. You'll know what I'm talking about. So there you go. That was one in a million. We had a really talented cast, a really talented lead. We had a bunch of people behind the scenes who appeared to know what they were doing. But ultimately, it just turned out to be a thing on TV. It did. Yeah. And sadly, it's a lost thing on TV because, well, nobody's seen or heard of it since we brought it up, I guess. What can we say except it's time for eBay prices, right? Oh, God damn it. (laughs) I love Greg's reactions. 
This isn't the Jared Zabransky card that's 50 bucks. <laughs> no. It is not. We can only wish. You are bidding on this photo. It's a production still from One in a Million. It's a 7x9 used condition. Shirley Hempel. And it has a 20% off coupon. Okay. And I'm thinking of a number. The number is eight. Mike, you go first. Oh, good. I was going to say eight. (laughs) May I say that this is like a horrible picture? Oh, it's terrible. She she clearly has some sort of angst running this company. Oh, Oh, wait. Before you bid, I have a description on the back. Shirley Hempel stars as a lady cab driver turned chairman of the board of a $200 million corporation to the ABC television network's new half-hour comedy series, One in a Million, which will air as a special preview presentation on Tuesday, January 8th from 8.30 to 9. It all happens one day when one of Shirley Simmons' regular customers, a wealthy businessman, dies and leaves her a choice of $200 million cash or controlling interest in a vast corporation. I would have taken the $200 million in cash. Yeah. So what have I? Seriously, if this is the photo they used to promote the preview or premiere episode, I would have taken a better picture. Yeah. This doesn't get the juices flowing in me saying, hey, I got to watch this show. This is a very bland picture. I'll go 1999. Greg? $29.99. One of you is exactly right. I have no $500 bonus for either of you. Sorry. Oh, oh darn. We don't get to get, go into Chico's pockets and grab money. Reach inside my suit. Yeah, Ozzy. No. That's horrible. I'm horrible. It goes to the host to bid nineteen ninety nine. Oh, I got the first perfect bid in history. Yeah, you knew it had happened someday. I was gonna give five dollar wiggle room, but I was like, nah, twenty nine ninety nine. But it wouldn't have mattered. No, I would not pay more than nineteen ninety nine. I wouldn't pay nineteen ninety nine for that photo. It's terrible. Again, yeah, just the look on her face does not sell this show to me she's not smiling she's not i i I don't like it no sir i don't like it it's not a good photo plus also it looks like she's wearing a tracksuit. uh probably because she is that was the fashion back in the day true fun fact shirley hempel was the inspiration for the tracksuit mafia on hawkeye on disney plus i heard wilson fisk never missed an episode of what's happening Okay, so maybe we can also blame this photo for <laughs> this so short run. Yeah. But you know what? Shirley Hempel is a talented sort, and I'm sure she bounced back with what's happening now. Oh, absolutely. And she had a pretty decent stand-up career, too. I mean, she, she by no means was she destitute because of this. She had a very solid career, before she passed yeah so that's it for this episode remember you can listen to all of our other previous episodes at it was a thing on tv.com or wherever 
fine podcasts can be streamed. But if you do go to our site, make sure you check out all of our social media feeds, our friends at Place to Be Nation, our shows on YouTube, where if you can, please give us a like, subscribe to our channel, and hit the bell to make sure you are up to date on our installments. Like, what do we have next week? We talked about football this week. I think next week we're going to talk about all the other sports and the one network where you could find all the other sports. Oh, yes, because in 1990, a network advertised that their sports lineup was a dream season. And, well, the dream season turned out to be a nightmare. Yep. And in case you haven't had an itch for pinball in the last year or so, we got you there too because we have more TV pinball. That's right. It's it had a pinball machine volume 2. It's going to be twice the flippers, twice the jets, and twice the bumpers. And dare I say twice the replays and twice the jackpots those are pretty much the only pinball terms we know and that's all coming up next week right here on it was a thing on tv greg take us out would you please wow okay one hot chocolate and two sodillas Hey, Shirley. Don't you hate Shirley me, sucker. <laughs> hey is for horses. I'm sorry. What's for hippopotamuses? <laughs> <laughs> what is you laughing at? Nothing.